Drex is a pillar in the Poi community. He has the largest Poi channel on YouTube, the most amount of Poi tutorials available to the public for free, on top of having a very successful Patreon for his Poi videos. This podcast is for the community, and it's been an absolute honor to contribute to our space in whatever way that I can. Enjoy the episode, my friends, and welcome to the podcast. Drex, welcome, hey. and thank you for being our eighth guest on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks we, for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. Um, as you all know, this is a project very near and dear to my heart. So again, I'm, I'm thankful for your involvement and your time today. Um, on a video of yours at some point, I had heard you talking about the idea of starting a Poi podcast, but that never quite developed. I'm curious, why? what, what held you back from doing it? Um, so that's just it. I, I did do it at one point. Um, I did a podcast where I interviewed uh, several people that had kind of like started businesses in the flow arts. I talked to Olive Pizzo, who uh, started up Harmonic Threads. I talked to, uh, um, I can't remember her last name. Her first name is Mary. She goes by Blitzen. She's a Glover who made uh, some inroads in Hollywood. Um, and it was... Uh, it was a fun project, but it, 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 I never really got the kind of engagement that I wanted to see out of it. And I think a part of that is um, flow, like flow arts by its very nature is, is quite visual and it, it can be hard mm -hmm. to produce quality content around audio that uh, will still have a value add for listeners who are interested in taking those lessons and applying them to the visual art. So in the end, that just wound up being a, 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 a problem that I decided I was okay with somebody else solving. Like, sure, uh, you yeah. know, some, somebody else can specialize in this. I've already got my profile. <laughs> yeah. Computer, you know? yeah, absolutely. And you did the, you know, profiles in Poi and uh, the mm -hmm. more specific interview style stuff, um, which was yeah. very, you know, great in its own right. I've seen all of that stuff probably several times over. Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah and but podcasting has developed the plan so worked the right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah well cool i i just wanted to bring that up briefly but let's let's uh you've shared parts of your story and how you got into poi in your early beginnings on several different videos throughout the years on your channel um but yep. for the sake of our audience and this episode take us all the way back to your introduction into, into mm -hmm. poi how and when did that happen Sure. So um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna roll back the clock here, all or calendar, which whichever, uh, all the way back to August slash September of two thousand six. That was when I went to my first Burning Man, um, and it was kind of a lark that that happened. I people who try to go to Burning Man now are gonna listen to this and they just you know facepalm because uh, I actually got a ticket just by chance a week before the event and uh, basically had to do my planning very very quickly Dro drove out from Boulder Colorado with a friend like it, it literally just came together at the last minute and you, you cannot do that anymore that is that is pretty much impossible to do at this just point ran into a ticket yeah yeah I know now I, I want to see what's on Craigslist like I, I had some friends who were just like you know yeah you should you should check out this thing called Burning Man. They, they've been trying for a couple of years to get me out there. And finally, it just like somebody popped up with a ticket on Craigslist. I'm like, well, shoot. Okay. I guess this will be the year that I go try it. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really glad I got to experience it while that was still possible. Um, but yeah, so I showed up and I mean, the event absolutely blew my mind. Um, 
And uh, it, it, of the many things that blew my mind there, one of those things was fire spinning. And um, the first time I really encountered it in a way that stuck in my head was uh, Wednesday night there, there was a uh, fire jam at, I wanna say it was Hookah Dome. And man, it was just hypnotic. I remember, I remember just like sitting there with my jaw on the ground, like watching all the fire spinners do their various things. Um, and ironically, like the, the, the one person that stuck out in my head was a hooper who like, you know, she, even at the time, I think I was kind of aware that she was still kind of like a beginner. Like all she could really do was keep it up around her waist doing core hooping and everything. But she had the biggest smile on her face. Like it just the absolute joy that this was bringing her. It, it, and that was part of what kind of wrote me in. And then seeing Fire Conclave on Burn Night. Uh, for the first time, which is just overwhelming. And nobody had told me that the opening act to seeing the man burn was like hundreds of fire spinners from all over the world performing for the audience and basically going ham. Um, and like, it, it was, it was watching fire conclave that I kind of like, it had so much of an impact on me. I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this. Um, so Came back to Colorado afterwards, uh, where I was living at the time, and uh, asked around to my friends. And I literally spent months asking this. I'm like, hey, what was that fire thing we saw at Burning Man? Do you know anybody who did this? Um, and finally, I had a, I had a friend who's just like, what do you mean poi? And like, I had no idea what poi meant. I just was like, okay, that could be it. Sure, it's, it, it, it's a better answer than just somebody giving me a blank expression. So um, I said, yes, how do I learn how to spin poi? It, and it's literally that arbitrary, that poi is where I went. Uh, and it turned out that our friend, uh, our friend Paul, uh, he goes by the name Salty, uh, knew some stuff about uh, poi spinning and, and fire dancing. So uh, I asked him for a lesson and he took me under his wing and we had our first lesson for like two hours. And uh, I proceeded to absolutely fail to learn everything. I was not good at this. Um, th there were just some basic ideas of like, you know, plane orientation and everything that I could not understand for the life of me. Like, and poor, poor Salty, he's sitting there for like the better part of two hours, just like staring at me. He's like, I, I don't know how to fix this for you, buddy. I'm sorry. So I, I actually gave up. Like I quit at that point. I thought that, uh, I thought that this was, this was not for me, I guess, you know, wow. and uh, were it not for another uh, very timely intervention, my my roommate at the time had gone to Thailand for uh, I think it was for Christmas, comes back with uh, with a like you can get sets of fire poi in the street markets there. And I mean, these are death trap fire poi. They're like made of like electrical conduit that's been sawed off and oh, they'll God. stick like they'll hold it to like basically dog chains with uh, it. There'll be split rings like you would use on a, on, on a keychain, and like the wicking is just cotton and they, they're terrible. They're, but he, he came, he came back after, uh, after holiday and it's just kind of like, Hey, you wanted to learn how to do this. Right. And um, so I felt really guilty that he'd like brought me a gift. So partially out of a feeling of guilt, I started playing with them again. And um it was then that I discovered that there was a regular fire spinning meetup that happened. Uh, at that point, I was living in Denver, uh, just down mm -hmm. the street from us. 
So I would go there every Sunday and that's where I finally found my people. And I found people that could like help me get through those first few speed bumps as a sure. beginner. And that, that was what finally made it stick was, uh, was meeting uh, the other fire spinners in Denver and the rest, as they say, is history. You know, this is so, this is so important for folks at home to hear because there's kind of a running theme on the podcast about uh, this point at this point about people starting poi and, feeling like, wow, I suck at this. I'm not good. I'm not coordinated. That's something that I hear a lot. Somebody's like, oh, I'm yeah. not co I'm not coordinated enough to learn that. But what they don't realize is just you have to get confident and comfortable with your prop and you have to put in a lot of time and there's just no avoiding that. So yeah. the man himself, Rex, has said it here. He almost gave up on Poi very originally. So you at home who are having the struggles of not being able to be good enough or not feeling like you can get there, you can get there. You just need to put in time. That's all it is. So I very much appreciate hearing that. Yeah, there, there's a quote I ran across at one point, uh, somebody who did yoga, like one of the more common things that people would say to them when they would ask them if they were interested in learning yoga is just like, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do that. And the, the point is, is that you do <laughs> yoga to become flexible. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you don't start off that way. And likewise with poi, you, you don't start off coordinated. Like, the human body does not fundamentally understand the way that poi moves. You have to train how to do it. And so like you get coordinated by learning how to spin poi. You don't start coordinated. You don't just come out of the womb able to do that. So when you were getting, you actually had kind of committed to that point and you were starting to go to these flow arts jams um, or poi jams or whatever in Colorado, who were the people, who were the poi spinners that had influenced you, maybe not even locally, but on like an internet level or like who were the people mm -hmm. that you kind of drew inspiration from during that early period of your life? Sure. So the guys that I hung out with in Denver, um, uh, one of them was a dude named Kyle and uh, he was the guy who first like showed me the basics of crossers and I, I fought like hell not to learn, uh, <laughs> not to learn. No, just cause I, I saw it and like, I, I instantly understood how much work it was going to be. And I'm just like, I don't want to do all that work. Uh, and then I, I caved and did it another year down the road anyway, but he, he taught me the basic stuff that I needed to do to get there. Uh, there's a guy named Moloch who, um, he, I want to say like it was his pair of fire poi that I was always borrowing out there. Um, once it became clear that my own set of fire poi were probably going to get me hurt. Um, <laughs> this is a great one, actually. Um, so one of the guys out there that uh, I hung out with a lot, his name, like his real name is David, but he went by uh, the name Beloved Dragon. And fun fact, Dragon Staff is named after him. Oh, yeah. Wow. It, so... The short version of this story is that he uh, he had a prop that he would bring to these spin jams that was a gigantic rope dart that he made out of chains. And the end of it like had the arrangement that we would expect from Dragon Staff, where there's like the one central wick and then there's the four mm -hmm. spokes coming out and everything. We used to call this thing the chandelier because like it was basically just a steel frame that had a bunch of chains wrapped around it. Interesting. Um, yeah, so he took it to Burning Man and Gora, who is a fire spinner from Hungary, came across this and thought that the design of the wicks was really interesting and decided to try the same thing with a staff and named the staff after the guy he'd gotten the design from. So hence, wow. Dragon Staff. Um, yeah, as for people that I was following online, um, 
at that point, like Nick Woolsey and Zan were like really the only people on 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 YouTube that were doing this regularly. So they they were my go-to. Nick Woolsey especially, because as soon as like I got to a certain level, I definitely needed some ideas flowing in from outside of the the Denver Fire community. And Nick was the go-to for that. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Nick. We were gonna get into him regardless, but um, yeah, Nick. Nick is very integral to my beginnings and my origin as well. Um, you know, back then we did have our local people, just like you did, but at the same time, we you know we needed other sources of inspiration. And uh, Nick, Nick is just one of the best teachers. I, I mean, for him to be able to just be so natural and in his element. Um, in the videos that he was making back then. he just, I don't, I can't, I I don't know. There's not, I don't have a lot of words behind it because if you know what I'm talking about, you know, Nick is just such a beautiful teacher, a beautiful person. Um, And on that subject, Nick actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but in a lot of ways inspired you to start creating tutorials and making tutorials as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, my channel would not exist if it were not for Nick on many, many levels. Um, You know, I, I have a thing where when I'm watching something and I'm enjoying it, I'm trying to figure out why I'm enjoying it. And I love Nick's tutorials. Um, so much. Not just because he's extraordinarily good at breaking down complex ideas and making them accessible, but also too, the way he is on camera is fantastic. Whenever you watch one of his videos, you feel like you're hanging out with a friend. and. When I started making my own videos, I knew right away, it's like, I also want people to feel like they're hanging out with their friend whenever they watch one of one of my videos. Um, so that was a major thing that I, I took from Nick right from day one, because I, I, I absolutely understood the relationship he had with his audience. And I wanted to have the same relationship with my audience, too. Um, that it has to be said that so much of my beginner content, like, there were a lot of videos I put off making for a while because I'm just kind of like, I don't know that I have anything more to say about this than Nick already said. And, yep. you know, it and spoilers for those of you out there watching right now who've had the same thought go through your head because I've produced so many tutorials. Um, it's not the content that matters. It's the voice like mm-hmm. I, you know, Nick and I can be teaching the exact same thing. But the ways that we think of it and our perspectives on it, like Nick touches a certain demographic of people and I touch a different demographic of people. Mm-hmm. There's Correct. always been, yeah, there, there, there's always been this thing. I, I always encounter this attitude of like, you know, Hey, well, all the tutorials are out there. Nobody needs to make those anymore. And it's just like, no, no, that's not true at all. Nick was already making tutorials when I started and I didn't steal audience from him. We both grew the community together because I could reach people that he couldn't and he can reach people that I can't because there were more voices doing this. We brought more people in total. Yeah. And someone's teaching style can very much like fit with Mm -hmm. someone. Right. So like even just apply this to school. Right. We we all had these teachers that really correlated with the way that we wanted to learn. So I think that's a great comparison Um, on the subject of Nick. um, Just before we go any further, you you definitely. so you were able to interview Nick in your profile deploy yeah. thing way back in the day. So how, I guess not even that long ago, how five or six years ago, probably. That feels like forever ago now, you right. know, the, the, the pandemic Nick, kind of changed the way we think of time. 
Yeah. So, so how was that experience for you interviewing Nick and being able to hang out with him, not even just during the interview, but kind of like backstage behind the camera? Like, tell us about Nick a little bit and that experience, because I feel like I just, I, I really am curious to hear about that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I didn't know that Nick was going to be there um, when, when, when I, that was mad skills in Vancouver and um, they had booked me to come out and I, I, I don't believe that Nick was on their teaching lineup. I had no idea that he was going to be there. And I was actually teaching my poi by the numbers class, the one where I'm like, hey, you can learn math through poi, like, you know, mm -hmm. trigonometry and, um, and graph theory and things like that. I'll, I'll have like, I'll have applications in poi. And I'm like in the middle of like, this will be a longer story for, for another time, but like I, I have this moment in the class where I'm showing off the seven bridges of Koenigsberg problem that uh, Leonard Euler solved uh, and created graph theory in the process. And I show people that literally when you draw out Zan's diamond, it's a version of the seven bridges of Koenigsberg problem. Um, and literally as I'm doing that, Nick walks down the stairs into the middle of this area where I'm teaching and I like stop dead in my tracks. Yo. I'm like mid sentence, just like, Oh my God. No, it was, it was great. And like poor yeah. Nick. I mean, he, he didn't, that that's not what he thought he was doing by, by, by walking on in there. So like the moment I'm done with class, like I'm, I'm, I'm fanboying out like you wouldn't believe. And I'm just kind of like, no, I, yeah, me your ways. And of course. he and I spent that, it, like, we, we spent so much time talking that weekend. It was really glorious, not just in the interview, but, like, we would go grab dinner together and, like, we would talk about, like, where do you want to go with this? What, what what do you see as being the goal with this in the next five years? And we, we, we got to know each other, like, pretty well during the course of that weekend. <laughs> this is hilarious. Like, uh, we actually took an acro class together and he and I, like, are completely opposite body types. I'm six foot tall and I'm really skinny and Nick is teeny tiny and he's built like a fire plug. So we were literally the worst partners you could possibly imagine this. Acro class. <laughs> we, we, we tried our best to make it work, but I have, I, it, it was, it must've been really funny watching us try. Um, ah, that's no, beautiful, it, man. Yeah. That's very cool. I think the thing that most sticks out to me about that weekend was just, you know, when we talked about, the future and how we saw our careers evolving. Cause even at that time, he was very clearly questioning whether he was going to step back from this. Um, and I think he was, he was kind of curious, like how I keep myself sustained in all of this. Cause you know, he's, he's sometimes had some challenges doing that. He'll step away for a long time. And now of course he's, he's stepped away potentially forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, there's that old thing of never meet your heroes and good Lord, I'm so glad I met this hero. Like that was, it was fascinating being able to, uh, to, to exchange ideas with him and get to know him better that weekend. It was wonderful. That's so, that's so great to hear. And I just, I would be bewildered if I heard anything other than Nick was just a great guy because <laughs> he's just such a, like you hear it. You, I don't know, back in the day when I was like watching the tutorials very early days, again, when you, when you really mentioned that it seemed like you were just hanging out with a friend learning, it's very yeah. much the mm -hmm. vibe that I got from Nick as well. So um really glad that we were able to touch on that. Um, 
Nick is, uh, yeah, shout out to you, Nick. I, I really want to get him on the podcast, hopefully at some point in my life, because he's just such a, such a, uh, an integral part of my beginnings as well. So, um, but back, going back to kind of your earlier days, when you started, when did you start going to flow festivals and which ones did you start attending? I don't actually remember which one was my first one. I do remember. So I, within my first year of spinning, I moved to the East coast and, um, I encountered, so there, there's a DJ who was based out of Richmond uh, at the time. His name is Conway Jennings. He, he wrote the theme song for, for my channel, um, which that was not what it was originally written for. It, it literally was that thing. I wrote him and I was like, hey, do you have anything I could use? And he just sent me an unreleased EP and he's just like, use anything you want off of this. And that, that was the song oh, that I chose. But yeah, uh, so Conway used to be really big in the flow scene on the East Coast before he went full time as a DJ. Um, and he had gotten an invitation to go to Fire Drums in, I want I can't remember if this is 2007 or 2008, probably, I think 2008, don't quote me on this. Ugh. Anyway, um, so um, he'd received that invitation and he just, you know, he's like, hey, I really like what you're doing. You should come to fire drums with me. And at the time I, I had to turn him down just because um, I was still finding my footing at work. And um, I felt like I needed to focus on things here in DC. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it, it definitely planted the seed in my brain. And I know I went, so the next year I went to both fire drums and wildfire and I cannot remember which one came first. Um, but what I do remember about those experiences were the people that I met there, which that was, that would have been the year that I met Charlie Cushing. And that's uh, been not just an, an amazing, uh, you know, kind of co-conspirator in terms of flow arts ideas, but also just like a great friend. He and I, he and I still talk on the phone really regularly. We're, 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 we're homies. Um, and I want to say, Oh yeah, that that was the other cool thing. Like uh, the first year I was at Fire Drums was the year that they had G there, and that was when I first saw plane breaking done in in the fashion that we kind of we take it for granted right now. But good lord, I always knew where G was at Fire Drums because there would be a cloud of like seven or eight guys that would just like hover around him and go wherever he was, like trying to analyze whatever he was doing. Um, and you, you so sent us a video of G. So let's let's just pull this yes. up. You continue talking about him. Let's let's go ahead and play this. Joey will pull it up and you you continue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is also just one of my favorite fire performances of all time. Um, yeah. So we take a lot of this for granted, but back then, like the plane breaking stuff that he does, it was like absolutely revolutionary. Nobody had seen mm -hmm. anything like it before. And it really like like the biggest thing about it was it took Poi into this three-dimensional space that, you know, as we, as, as we've gotten into the YouTube and social media era, for all intents and purposes, Poi and all the flow arts have kind of been flattened because that's what shows up best on camera. We try and keep mm -hmm. everything in kind of a two-dimensional space, yep. but like, G had this way of taking Poi into three dimensions that worked both in person and on camera. And we are still living in the period that he helped create as a result of that. I don't think, 
I, I, I don't think that like he came at that from the perspective of like, you know, Hey, I'm going to start a revolution or anything like that. I like think a visionary. It was just, exactly. I think that was just what he saw in the prop and yeah. you know, God, you know, something so like this would still kill him. Poichat to this day. Oh, like totally just, dude. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So and like his the way that, are the so way technical. Exactly. And, and the creative way that he's moving, uh, speed changes, plane changes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And you know, the, I, I don't know what year this was released, but I mean, just incredible groundbreaking, um, stuff and yeah, you're right. There is so much of a mind blowing aspect to the first time that you're exposed to 3d because it's like, okay, we can do, uh, flowers on our horizontal plane or our, our vertical planes, right? You know, wall plane or yeah. wheel plane, but the, then horizontal plane, you can do in spin, anti spin extension on on horizontal plane as well. So it's a very, it just blows your mind, you know. So I remember that very clearly thing where he did the time. stall behind his head and came out with a buzzsaw. I do that all the time, still to this so day. So sick, love it. That's awesome. Yeah, and you know these these people that really laid the groundwork for what would be relevant for Poi for the next 10, 20, or, you know, however long, many years. Yeah. Um, they, I don't know if they would have even realized or thought about it in that way and thought God, about I what love... they would have created. Oh, uh, I, sorry. I just love that moment right there where he goes from those really rapid changes and then just like kind of stops like the tension mm. that that builds. Cause like, you know, clearly he can just like slay the audience with a bunch of really technical stuff. But the thing I love the most about this is the way that he uses dynamics, the way he'll go really rapid fire with like some really intense stuff. And then boom, he will just stop and give the audience a chance to breathe for a second before he gets into the next salvo. It's so God, that was beautiful. Based. Yeah, seriously, seriously. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I actually didn't watch this video before you sent it to me or when you sent it to me, I did not watch this video prior because I did want to have a legitimate reaction to this video live. Yeah. Um, and I will say I, I missed out on not seeing this earlier because this is truly, truly incredible. What a, what a great artist, especially for the time period. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Now, and it blows my mind because like, you know, Oh, oh the bit at the end. Oh, that, I wish we had the music because like, the whole thing that I do where I stall to uh, to kind of accent the beat, 100% I rip that off from G. That little bit <laughs> in there, what we can't hear is that there's a drum fill that finishes off that song and just boom, 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 boom. He hits Ooh. every single accent of it. It's it's like watching him do a drum fill with Poi. It's phenomenal. Well, hey, y'all, we'll link that video in the in the in the description. So definitely go check that out after or whatever. If you want to take a break now and go watch it, you can do that as well. But yeah, that'll be in the in the description. Um, now, let, let's go on to a little bit about your your content creation and your journey yeah. releasing content. So your content has changed a lot throughout the years. You have uh, obviously uh, pivoted towards different areas as far as tutorials, flow videos, even your, your long ago, uh, uh, videos that you did like at burning man or at the, at fire drums and all this stuff. Like I've seen a lot of your shit. So I, I, I'm pretty, pretty well informed, but tell us a little bit about your journey as a content creator. What, what successes and failures have you had along the way? And how do you think, like, what lessons have you learned along the way? Oh my God. So many. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, 
I think first and foremost, I should clarify that uh, it was not a plan to become a content creator because that was not a thing when I when I started. <laughs> um, it's true. No, it's true. It's it's always weird talking about it now, and people are just kind of like, "Oh, you've been at it forever." And it's like, "Yeah, I've I I was at it before this was a career for anybody. This was not assured to be a thing that would work when I started." This. <laughs> um, so the thing, so when I started up my channel, and specifically what started the channel was the tech blog. You know, um, what inspired that was like three different pieces. The first one being that uh, at the time. So I moved to DC uh, to work in human rights. Uh, there was a human rights organization that I worked for my first few years here. And um, we specifically were involved in trying to stop mass human rights atrocities, uh, genocides basically. And we had several people that had gotten uh, materials back from us from a number of different conflict areas. Um, I, I remember Burma and Darfur being two that we would like get video and audio back from and like people would talk about their experiences. And we were just sitting on all of this media and that didn't sit right with me, not the least of which because like, you know, I had come up as a grassroots activist and I knew how powerful it was for people to feel connections uh, with the people and things that they were working on. And so I tried to sell the organization on starting up a podcast. Haha, -ha, full circle there, right? Um, and uh, they had some concerns about how much time it was going to take for me to produce a weekly podcast. And I didn't have an answer. I'd never produced regular content before. So and it's hard. <laughs> it is so hard. Goodness, I was yeah, not prepared. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, continue, um, continue. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, a piece of it, honestly, was I was trying to figure like in my in my mind, the goal was still to create a podcast with like these stories from Darfur and Burma. Um, but the way to get there was I needed to learn how 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 much time it was, how much of a time commitment it was to produce regular content. So I started producing a weekly video about my poi spinning partially because um, I wanted to be able to walk back into the office and be able to say, okay, this is the amount of time it's going to take me every week. So I could get them to green light the podcast mm -hmm. that never happened. But, um, uh, another piece of it was that, um, early on in my flow journey and I, 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 I've never been able to find this channel again, but I ran across a YouTube channel by a young woman who made a video every week for like three months showing off the stuff that she was learning. And I thought it was the coolest thing that she was showing her progress on it. And when it ended, I definitely like kind of felt like, oh, I, I missed getting to check in with her. And the, the thought that went through my head was, oh, you know, what if I did the same thing? What if, what if I did a project like this and showed my progress learning only mm -hmm. it never ended. I just kept going. I just kept going and going. <laughs> um, and the third part of it, honestly, was that it motivated me to keep practicing. If I had to produce a weekly video on whatever I was working on, then I had to have something to show off. Uh, I, I refer to this now as, as a proxy goal that like you, you um, and this is not the first time in my life I've done this. Uh, I remember uh, when I was trying to make it as a musician uh, in my 20s, um, I'd read somewhere that like to become a good writer, you should write something every day. And so I remember when I was in the dorms, there was a woman who like lived on the floor above me that I was friends with. And I was just kind of like, you know, Hey, can I write a poem on your door every day? And literally, and it's funny because she thought that like, 
she's just like, what's up with this guy? And and honestly, in my head, it was literally just like, I just need to feel like I'm going to disappoint somebody if I don't write something every day. Totally arbitrary the way that that happened. But, you know, totally. it, it was it was my proxy goal. It was my motivation to make it happen. Um, so this was my motivation to keep on practicing poi. The tech blog lasted for quite some time. And um, it, it became clear to me very early. And so... Funny thing about that is that when I started producing those videos, I wasn't sharing them anywhere. Cause again, in my head, it was just like, this is, this is a thing I'm doing for me. Mm -hmm. And that was the way it went for several months. And then randomly one day I logged into YouTube and I'd gone from like maybe four views on each of those videos to like over a hundred on, on the early ones. I'm like, what happened here? So I, I, opened up the analytics and discovered that um, Alien John, uh, the, 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 the god of tech poi himself, had, uh, there was a thread on the home of poi forums where people were asking about, at the time they were called one and a halfs because uh, mm -hmm. we eventually switched to calling them 1.5s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Character for half in the title of a YouTube video at the time. Um, <laughs> wow, that is so It's funny. so <laughs> random. No, no, it, it is funny. You go back and you watch those videos <laughs> from like 2007, 2008 of people talking about this stuff and they're all still calling them one and a halfs. Um, so Alien John had linked to a bunch of my tech blogs on doing 1.5s or one and a halfs uh, on the home of Poi forums and people had discovered them that way. And all of a sudden I had an audience, mm -hmm. um, which that was, that was not the plan. Um, <laughs> so while, while you're, while you're getting through this, Joey, go ahead and pull up the alien John tech poi video. You'll, you'll, you'll yes. give him a, a, a moment, but, but keep, keep, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but I'd love to have some context as far as a, who alien John is for those of you who don't know. Okay. So we'll, we'll just go ahead and watch that. Sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, if you if you haven't seen Alien John before, you are in for a treat, friends. My goodness. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so um, at that point, I had more motivation to upload on a regular basis. And I think it was, so in my mind, the really big moment for me happened like probably two or three years in. Um, and I will be the first to admit that most of my early content is garbage. I think I, I was still trying to figure out what I was doing probably five or six years into the process. But thanks to everybody who was watching in the meantime, because <laughs> I have a hard time going back and watching that stuff now. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the aha moment for me actually came, um, I think this would have been 2009 or 2010, where um, I had traveled to Europe over the summer. My, my then partner was involved in running a regional burn in Spain called Nowhere. And uh, it turned out that the European Juggling Convention was happening at the same time. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I, I originally had made plans in my head that I was going to try and work in both of them. And when my partner found out I was doing this, she she laid down the law. I was just like, no, no, because you're not going to make it to the burn if you go to IGC. <laughs> e e EJC, excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, afterwards, everybody was like pooling up in Barcelona and uh, I ran into Alien John randomly uh, on the street there, of all things. And um, he showed me some stuff that he learned from G at EJC. And it was like some of the diagonal plane stuff that uh, G started working with later on in his career. And um, when I came back to DC, I did a video all about that. And there was something that clicked in my head where 
Um, I recognized that not everybody had the means, like very few people had the means to go to Spain and like run into Alien John on the street. And not the least of which, because neither G nor Alien John were producing regular content at that point. And so, ah, uh, yes. The Arizona the transmission grainy, video. The grainy Arizona 2008 quality. <laughs> Still, I think the greatest tech boy video ever made, which it's up there. Like red pants definitely gives this one a run for its money, but like it's no, it's it was, it was, and it was there. a collaborative effort by Zan and alien John and God damn it. Right. They had a lot of fun and they had so much like, uh, so much new shit to show people. So yeah, this is, uh, we'll just go ahead and let this Zan's play diamond. Moment, yeah, that that's, yeah. That that segment right there is why we call it Zan's Diamond. He didn't make that up. Mm -hmm. uh, Surreal created Zan's Diamond. <laughs> Zan just popularized it because he was exactly. so goddamn good no. at it. <laughs> and I would run into Zan at fire festivals, and he was baffled that it got named after him. He's just like, I wasn't the first one to do this. I'm I'm not even the one who does it most often. I don't know why this happened. Um, yeah. Anyway, so oh yeah, the plane bending and all the fun stuff here. The transition. And okay, specifically, yeah. so your profiles and poi that you did with Alien John, y'all, you really did him so much. Uh, you, you gave him so much credit that he deserved, right? And because this video is very revolutionary, and uh, I would agree with you. I mean, for the relevance that it still has to this day, is truly incredible. And when Alien John was referring to like the, I don't know the specifics, I'm going to butcher this, but when he was creating the little graphics, the one that had just kind of played out and he yep. was discovering that, wow, these are actually applicable and we can trace. I mean, he just took such a different approach to this, you know, it was yeah. very groundbreaking, very ahead of his time. So shout out to Alien John for sure. One of the big OGs and, you know, it's also one of those things that we kind of take it for granted now, but there was definitely a period in poi spinning when the idea of picturing the trails that the poi would leave over time, which is just like, you know, so integral to how we think of tech poi was still Absolutely. pretty unusual. And producing this video and showing all of this in action, like people had been writing about this stuff in online forums for years, but writing out what you're doing is, kind of a difficult thing in so many of these cases. You'd, you'd write mm -hmm. out instructions for something and somebody might come up with something completely different. And this was the first time so many of us had actually seen the oh, atomic weave. Yeah, we mm -hmm. one of those things that's uh, unfortunately we don't get a lot of anymore. Um, no, we don't. Yeah, but we don't. This uh, this is the first time most of us had seen all this stuff done. and. <laughs> I, I remember this came out right about the time when I'd finished up Nick's uh, beginner series on his channel. And I mm -hmm. thought at, at the time, I definitely thought it was like, okay, cool. You know, I'm, uh, I, 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 I know the world of poi. I'm, I'm good. And then this came out and it was like, oh, snap, we're off to the <laughs> <laughs> Blown away. Yeah. On the topic of uh, atomic waves, I mm -hmm. find them to be very interesting and very cool because i love poi but as far as a technical like a, as far as a, an audience member viewing something who that is visually appealing i've to be quite frankly i've never found atomic waves to be like visually appealing they're so abstract they're yeah. so abstract but i think they've kind of uh, have become less popular slash relevant because of the kind of aesthetic appealing nature of atomic weaves and this is all personal preference but that's yeah, yeah. that's kind of where i stand on it 
So I, I think of them as fitting kind of in the same box as toroids in some respects in that. <laughs> Very like, much. Yeah, because they, they kind of shift what poi does. So it stops being about the curved patterns that we produce, like we're emulating a spirograph. And suddenly they turn poi into straight lines. And the, the difficulty there is that you can hide the fact that your planes are not super straight if they're seen in profile at all times, <laughs> like, no, and, and, but like when you switch into doing atomics or toroids, all of the sudden, if you have any, and I do mean any jitters in your, in your planes whatsoever, it becomes painfully obvious to everybody. And the technique to clean that up takes so long and it is so time intensive and it's so easy to just not do it, to just stay <laughs> in like, you know, flattened 2D land rather than playing around with 3D. But <laughs> yeah. people people who can really make it work, like it's stunning. Um, there's totally. uh, there's a guy uh, who uh, he, he was uh, he used to be part of the flow scene here in DC. Eric, uh, he's E6 of one on YouTube, and you can go back and look at some of his stuff. And man. For the longest time, of course, a lot of us were looking at toroids and we just kind of thought of them as being a bit of a curiosity. And then Eric came out with a video where he was showing off uh, toroid caps and all of a sudden it just clicked. I'm like, oh, that's what this can be. That's what this can look like. Mm. And, and I've, I've, I've been working on that off and on through the years. But one of, one of my great regrets, definitely when um, that first kind of spike of tech poi uh, kind of came to an end was that we never really got the chance to refine toroids on a mass level and see what could happen there. But uh, absolutely. So, and and on the topic of tech poi, um, mm -hmm. we've kind of discussed this a little bit offline before, but as we've seen new waves of tech poi and the new way of approaching spinning throughout the years, um, aside from the also, Vulcan tech gospel, shout out to Aurora who is spinning on screen right now and is one of those OGs that we do not talk about nearly often enough. Mm, mm, the double staff slay. Um, so on, on the topic of tech boy, like I said, uh, aside from Vulcan tech gospel, what are some of the newer ideas and new trends in poi spinning that you enjoy, such as, like, for example, the popularization of gunslingers by, I would say, by Jonathan Alvarez and the contact boy movement created by Ronan. Like, what are some of the more, like, interesting ideas uh, that have been, you know, kind of come along in the last few years that you love? Can you speak to any of those? Sure. I mean, gunslingers are definitely the big one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... Gunslingers I find really fascinating because they're essentially the same idea as Meteor except twice as fast. And I, <laughs> I avoided learning them for the longest time. Like I've known John Alvarez since he was 16. And I remember when he was developing uh, the, the kind of basic, uh, the, the kind of basic tenets of gunslingers. And I remember seeing it and just being like, yeah, not for me. Um, and what changed that for me actually was uh, there's a poi spinner. I want to say his name is Aoi Kondo. And yeah, yeah. Japanese yeah, poi spinner. Yeah. He had a, like, I've got this video saved on my phone. I've like watched this frame by frame more times than I can count. And it's so good. There was a video he did where he did an anti spin flower with his gunslingers. 
And this just blew my mind. Like, because number one, the technique of taking those weaves and, you know, doing some, something with them other than just like spiral wraps and coming in and out of it. Like, you can definitely see uh, John Alvarez has, has a background in glow stringing when you look at a lot of the stuff that he does with gunslingers. But absolutely. A AOE had recontextualized um, gunslingers into such a way that all of a sudden, all of the theory that we have for Vulcan tech gospel now applies to gunslingers as well. And mm. that resulted in me giving myself basically a, a gunslinger boot camp where <laughs> I wanted to get to the point where I could do anti-spin gunslingers in split time opposites just because I, I mean i think anti-spin split time opposites is always the coolest looking variation on anything um and it took it took me three months of really intense work but i actually got it down on christmas eve that year um and you know since then of course exploring gunslingers and uh every timing and direction uh, utilizing spiral wraps in a way that it's not just I'm going to park myself in spiral wraps for a little while. I'm going to actively make them a part of the hand movements. That is all still in process for me and stuff that I'm, I'm practicing on it still on a daily basis now because it's really hard. Um, you know, definitely when we started opening ourselves, uh, this, this, this takes us back a couple steps, but when we opened ourselves up to meteor grips, um, that was a pretty big uh, development in the poi world because when I first started, we we strapped our poi to our fingers like the <laughs> yeah the, yeah the little finger loops yeah ball oh handles didn't become popular <laughs> until I've been doing this for years um, yeah and also too like uh, I don't know so some of the stuff that inspires this me is the like, video you yes! correct that's the video yeah. that's the video okay. yeah 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 totally. No, the, the, the bit where he does it is coming up here. Yeah, that right there. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, the moment that dropped in the video, I'm just kind of And like, mirrored. And Excuse mirrored. Excuse me, what? Yeah. And, then and mirrored. We were off to the races. Oh, my God. Now, th that he could do it with both hands, and, like, that that is still the ideal version of that hybrid. I, I have tried it, really it many, is. many different ways, and that is definitely the ideal version of that hybrid. Um, and, and the thing I love most about that is... I, I, I am legendary for my love of anti-brids and there's there's definitely pieces of anti-brid technique that comes into that specific hybrid because Absolutely. of course you've got a point of contact between one hand and like it's the middle of the tether with the other poi. So it comes off as, as having the same visual effect as an anti-brid, even though it's really not. It's, 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 it's pretty slick like that. It's <laughs> so cool. So cool. So um, I do want to transition into a new topic. Let's talk about uh, three poise. So over the years, there has been some sentiment, which I will agree with. First of all, before we even get into the conversation, I agree with the statement that you made. Okay, so this is not any hate. Uh, okay. But you said, quote, I would rather be clean with two than sloppy with three. And like I said, yep. I do agree with this. However, <laughs> nowadays that there are people who have fleshed out the ideas enough and we are further along with three poi and we are like uh, evolved enough as a community that people are doing it very cleanly with three. Um, what's, what's kind of held you back from pursuing three at a high level and kind of what are your thoughts on that as, as a whole? Well, so first and foremost, um, I think that 
I, I mean, I did explore three poi for a while. Uh, there, there's that video I did back in the day on three poi tribrids, which uh, as many people as I see doing three poi these days, it's still pretty rare to see people doing tribrids. So I think that that work still really holds up. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But honestly, like, um, and there are some people that I do enjoy doing three poi. Like, again, John Alvarez is, is fantastic. Um, AOE Kondo's work is phenomenal. Um, I, I'm trying to remember what his real name is. His, his, uh, Instagram is, uh, Pum Pum Joe. He's a yeah, Taiwanese. He's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. 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 Amazing work. Yeah. yeah. Clean as can be in everything that he does. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so there are definitely three poise spinners that I, I follow, but I think that like the, and you know, part of, part of that statement was really like a lot of I, that question. I get asked that question so much. Like people are like, why aren't you doing three poi? Why aren't you doing three poi? And like, the honest answer is, is like, I, I kind of explored it and I found the stuff that, you know, I thought was interesting and I just have other stuff that interests me more. And part of it too sure. was, you know, me, me interrogating myself and being like, you know, you never watch three poi videos with, with those exceptions, of course, or there, there's a lot of content that gets uploaded with three poi videos, especially in like poi chat and kind of challenging myself and asking myself, it's like, why, why is this something that doesn't interest you? And I realized that a lot of what I was seeing was, and this was a bad habit that we had back in the, the kind of first wave of tech poi at the end of the 2000s. And, you know, something that I look back on and I wish that uh, I had done differently was like, in our minds, it was more about demonstrating the idea than it was making it like accessible. So somebody who knows nothing about poi could see this thing and understand that something cool was going on. In so many cases, mm -hmm. it just like, it, it, it's, it's only people that already are on the inside that will understand what you're trying to do. And in the meantime, sure. to anybody else, it just, it just looks like gobbledygook. And so- Yeah, and I, I will say like, I, when I've said this on the podcast several times, but in when three poi was in its infancy, nobody mm -hmm. was doing it well. That's just, that's yeah. how I feel like nobody was doing it well. So I resisted against doing three poi for a long time. I have been mm -hmm. spinning uh, poi since 2007. I only got into poi in what, like two, 2020, three poi into 2020. I mean, so very recently um, in, in the grand scheme of things. And I had seen some three poi that inspired me to start. And when I first started, man, I was so fucking bad with it. It was, it was you know, <laughs> just me looking at my, myself. Right. But now I have gotten to a level with three poi. Um, and I like, it, it just makes me very inspired and happy and proud. And like, it's a whole different, it, it scratches a different itch in my brain. Right. So like yeah. two poi is like my comfort zone and three poi is where I'd like, want to take things to a another level because I've loved contact boy for so long and I've loved mm -hmm. the flowers for so long and all these like ideas that we that are very familiar to us at this at this point and I feel like I've taken three poi to a level where I'm like excitedly incorporating contact and flowers and isolations and all these things into a mix where like my three poi I'm just I feel very ultimately satisfied with, with, uh, three, but it took a long time for us to get there as a community. Like it, sure. again, I, I did not, I was on the very same sentiment as you, um, it, when, you know, making that comment or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, I felt a very similar way and it's hard to make three poi look good. Well, and the other piece of that, of course, is like, like I was saying, 
we we definitely set the pace of that during the first wave of TechPoid. Like I say, the first, and there's probably some people that are going to contest that. We'll we'll call <laughs> it we'll call it wave 1.5, shall we? Um, yeah, and it, it's uh, because of course we had that same bad habit back then. And I, I think one of those things that really dawned on me at a certain point was like, yeah, you know you have all these tricks that you can do, but can you make them look good? And I realized that I still had so much work to do with two poi. And at that point it's like, I, I mean, maybe someday with three poi, but like, I still have so much work to do with two poi here. Like, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what and if I get there, you know? Yeah. And it really just goes, I mean, I've said this, uh, I think one other or twice other times on the podcast before, but I believe there's infinite amount of things to do with two point, right? So we are sure, always yes. going to be closer to zero than we are to infinity. No matter how large yep. the number is, no matter how much we know, there's always more to be discovered with two. So it's not Absolutely. a bad approach to be like, okay, well, I still want to focus on two, even though people are doing things with three. It really boils down to what you want to do. And I feel like you need to follow your intuition and decide on whether or not you want your focus to be with two or three or four or whatever the fuck you want to do. You need to just trust the things that you like and the things that you enjoy. So very much agree oh, on that. Shoot. Sorry. Um, I just realized I never finished that story from earlier uh, about Please continue. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry for those of you who've who've been uh, watching this, uh, waiting waiting for the tail end of that story for for I don't know how long we've been going on here, but yeah. So the the diagonal plane stuff I learned from Alien John in Barcelona. Um, so uh, it dawned on me that like not everybody can go to Barcelona, not everybody can like learn from Alien John and G, and they're not making that stuff widely available just now. So it dawned on me that by posting a video of that stuff, I was doing a service. I was in a unique position to be able to do something that was going to benefit other people's worlds. And as soon as I realized that my channel could be a service to others, that really changed the game for me, that that kind of became the primary motivating factor be behind most of what I create. And of course, it's evolved over time. Uh, the tech blog, of, of course, ended uh, partially because I was bored with the idea and partially just because at that point, smartphones had become so widespread, it just felt unnecessary. Everybody could upload the stuff that they were working on. But, you know, started producing my own, be my own beginner tutorials, which I held off doing for a long time because I didn't want to disrespect Nick. And I, I didn't realize until I started doing them that it meant that we get more people total rather than competing head on with them. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, you know, uh, switching into the, you know, Profiles and Poi literally came about because I had all my old DVDs from the days that we had DVDs. And I realized that the only things that I would go back and watch on the regular were the interviews with the artists. And I'm just like, hey, why not just do that and have it not live on a DVD? Um, and of course, you know, more recently, there's been more of an emphasis on dance and kind of like talking people through individual uh, topics and um, techniques for them to practice. So, I mean, a part of it, honestly, is I, I just, I, I kind of keep looking for new ways to approach, you know, how I can serve the community. And uh, that means that I experiment with a lot of different formats and some of them stick and some of them don't. And uh, right. some, some are real popular for a while and some of them uh, I try it once and I'm just like, nope, that didn't work for anybody. 
it's a part of being a creator and uh you know exper experimenting with also what you want to do and then what you think could be appealing or applicable to you know the the whole um sphere of knowledge um and i i don't mean to cut you off with the story but something i do really want to get into is the whole like how how do you define tech boy what would you say is like roughly your definition of tech boy sure so at least the version of TechPoi uh, that I thought of myself as, as being a part of back in the early 2000s or late 2000s and early 2010s was essentially uh, a systematic way of looking at Poi that parameterized everything. It essentially turned Poi into uh, systems and math. And the drive there was to essentially use those systems to anticipate both classify the things we already knew how to do and to anticipate the things that we hadn't created just yet. Um, you know, Alien John in, in the Profiles and Poi interview I did with him, of course, gives a great example of this where he very literally did this. And, you know, those computer simulations that we saw in the Arizona right. transmission video, um, you know, the first time he did a cat eye, it literally was just he, he had created a system inside his computer um, using a 3D animator where he was exploring all the different things like uh, all the things that you could do with hybrids and discovered that like extensions and isolations were basically the same thing, but phased in different directions. And he literally just flipped an extension over on itself and out popped a cat eye. And he had a moment of looking at it. And he was like, is that something that I can do? So right. I, I think that that was really the mold of what tech poi was then. Um, and I think there's plenty of people that still call themselves tech poi spinners to this day, but it's used in a different context, I think. It's less about sure. creating frameworks or, um, you know, thinking of poi in terms of math. And it becomes more like, you know, I want to I want to <laughs> I, I, I put my mark on things. And uh, here's, here's a bunch of fun tricks that I can do with static rope. Or, um, you know, here's all these juggling patterns uh, applied to poi. Um, and, you know... There's, and let, let me let me be clear in saying that that um, I think if people are enjoying the challenges, then that's the most important thing. But yeah, it Obviously. it definitely feels different to me than than what than what TechPoi felt like to me back in. The well, of course, of course, because there's there's a different phase and there's different waves and there's different you know kind of places mm -hmm. that we are as a community. Um, and you know we've had even uh, I I disagreed with you um, publicly on a it was a it was a video that you made that said like what what killed Tech Boy right and so mm -hmm. in my mind and this is the reason that I bring up the the whole Tech Boy definition thing because Tech Boy for me in my mind would be something that is constantly evolving it, it's essentially new grounds and new new discoveries in poi right so that's kind of loosely what i would define tech poi as is new uh information new frameworks because i don't think that again this goes back to the whole infinite possibility thing i don't think that we're even close in discovering the frameworks that that are out there um as far as tech sure. as like contact poi mixing win with weaves and like i'm i'm even creating things that i i have not done been done before so i think tech poi can be very uh in my mind again this is my opinion but i think tech boy is very much so ever evolving right yeah and i to be clear here language is a thing that evolves over time and you know i i think that it is safe to say that 
what I understood to be tech poi when I was coming up is something that's no longer uh, practiced as much. Um, but that doesn't mean that the words that we use to describe what we were doing can't evolve to have a new context in the modern era. I would also just like to point out though that when we talk about tech poi in that context, there's a really, really specific version of those new poi movements that we're talking about. Um, so one of my favorite poi spinners to watch is uh, Zuz Shutova. She is, I wanna say, I can't remember what country she's from, but um, she's a poi dancer uh, who posts a lot of stuff on Instagram. And she's one of my favorite people to watch because the way that she fuses together modern dance and poi just makes it feel like the two were made for each other. And it mm. is something that I have struggled so hard and so long on that seeing her make it look that effortless is amazing. And yet she's not seen as tech poi. Some people would see her <laughs> that way. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, it, it kind of goes back to like, you, you very, very, very uh, excuse me, made a very good point as far as like what tech poi is and kind of like the, mm -hmm. uh, the nuances of that. But yeah, I mean, she's doing new things that are innovative and like, we're always going to be to a point where there are new things to be discovered and um, she's doing it in a way that hasn't been done before. And we all have these little inclinations to do poi and our approaches are always going to be different than the next person, even though we might yeah. look similar to a certain person, but she's a perfect example of this because you know, her three poi is so dynamic, so creative, and she's doing it in the way that she's moving her body. She's not static the whole time in the way right. that she's spinning. You know, she's very, she's presenting it very well physically. Yeah. There's, there's a great video of her from, I want to say it's like three or four years ago where she's got a set of sock poi and she's exploring groundwork with the sock poi. And I still go back to that video to this day and trying to figure out how exactly she's making the momentum and it work. But the, the reason I bring that up is just, you know, when, when we talk about what's groundbreaking in poi and we make tech poi synonymous with that, there's also a choice that's being made there in terms of what's being seen as groundbreaking inside of that box. And I think it's important for us to maybe have a little bit of a conversation about what goes in the box and what doesn't and why mm -hmm. the things that don't go in the box are, are not put in there. Because mm -hmm. I think that there's a load of really groundbreaking stuff going on out there, but a lot of people wouldn't call it tech point. I think it I, I think it's worth having the conversation as to as to what does go in the box then and why. Sure. Yeah, I can, mm -hmm. and I, I could agree with that. Um, a topic that has become relevant over the last month or so has been mm -hmm. in regards to juggling and flow arts. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. spurred this episode in happening in a way because uh, you had some commentary on uh, the episode with Bow Juggler and on the significance behind flow arts and juggling. So I want you to walk me through a little bit about the um, the kind of, uh, disdain that you had had a little bit as far as the opinion that Bo had, like, if you would. Sure. Like, so, so, um, if we want to get into specifics on this, like people are allowed to like what they like. I think that, you know, we all, we all only have so much time on this earth and I hope that we all find ways to devote that time to things that bring us more joy being here. And there's a variety of ways that people do that. Um, 
I think that we start getting into sketchier territory when we insinuate that we do a thing because it has some it has some quality that we consider better than or that another thing is lacking that you know it's one thing to say hey i love juggling i think juggling is awesome and to that i'd say absolutely heck yeah i want to see you do more of it then and it's another to kind of come into it and say i like juggling because you know it's bigger than flow arts and at that point i'm just like you, you don't need to take that next step there friend that like you can you can like the thing because you like it and as, as well you should but like you know when when there's a piece of that that makes one thing seem better than another i think that we we've we've kind of we we need to step back a little bit there you know well, and there's been a lot of controversy, uh, controversy and discussions over the years based on, you know, flow artists like poi spinners have kind of been on the like butt end of the joke for for jugglers uh, for a long time. And sure have uh, we've talked about that in a lot of times, but I think Bo is a particular case where he has a very different approach and he's kind of just not necessarily identifying with the term flow arts but he's more he's not saying he's not like okay sorry he has said that he's not a florist excuse me but he, he is more taking the approach of flow arts is just a smaller category as far as like like let's say that uh, juggling is an umbrella and flow mm -hmm. arts is like one part under and he's not necessarily saying this is my interpretation of the argument is that he's not saying it's lesser or more important he's just saying that it's one side of juggling and he actually considers poi spinning to be juggling in a lot of ways and i i wanted to ask you your opinion on this do you consider poi spinning to be juggling no never have i uh i mean all of us encountered juggling growing up and again i think it's cool but uh I, just not a thing i was ever uh, i mean uh you know i i love watching gymnastics when we have the Olympics come around that I've never had the inclination to try and pick it up myself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And no, I, 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 there's a few pieces in there because um, I think that the act of saying that flow arts is a subset of juggling is in and of itself saying that I am part of the superior category. I am part of mm. the umbrella and you all are just derivative from us. Mm, that, okay. in it, that in itself is kind of the act of saying this is lesser than. You're um, just saying it's a different thing, right? You're saying it's, yeah. it's different, right? Well, yeah, definitely. And like, you know, I, I actually have a video in the works right now on this. Uh, it's uh, the, the, the script is getting way out of control. I need to, I need to, <laughs> do significant editing because it's way too long. But no, I mean, because I, I, I honestly think that flow arts is a useful term for describing uh, a movement uh, towards having a specific relationship culturally with a prop that for all intents and purposes kind of comes out of the United States in late 90s, sure. early 2000s. And it's something that, you know, I. I think these terms are useful in the same way that like, you know, we use the word impressionism to describe a 
bunch of people that were artists that all kind of coexisted and knew each other and, you know, influenced each other a bit. And at the same time, there's a lot that comes under that. But uh, fundamentally, we use these, we, we use these, uh, the, uh, we use these labels to kind of pull together something that is a shared experience and a moment in time to be able to talk about it with ease. And I think that flow arts absolutely serves that purpose. I think that it does a great job of, and, and you know, the fact that the term had to be invented in the first place, there, there was a culture there that had to be described. I, absolutely. I think, Cause it I wasn't it, traditional. It wasn't traditional juggling in the way that juggling is again, traditionally seen. So mm -hmm. I think that the term flow arts is definitely has relevance and it has importance based on exactly what we're doing. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I think, and I, I do a little bit more understand your perspective on saying that it's a subcategory, therefore it makes it seem lesser. I, I get what you're saying. Um, one thing that I would encourage folks, if you're kind of weighing in on this conversation and you're, you're engaged on what are, what we're talking about here, I want you to listen to the entire thing on Bo, um, because there was a lot of talk talks about like what the flow state is and how that's applicable and how good that is. And I don't, I think it's just boils down to a cultural difference between like, again, you, you mentioned like the United States being uh, at the forefront of the whole flow arts thing. Right. And I, I mm -hmm. think it's important to realize that in the same sense that flow arts is integral to the United States, juggling is very integral to uh, the European culture and it's very much very broad. Right. So they don't, they don't really like um, even though he might be spinning too poi, he would be, engaging in what he thinks is kind of a juggling like mindset and um there's room for debate on this which is i think that this is why a topic has been talked about and why it's relevant and um why it's important to to discuss for sure well so sorry i'm, I'm gonna push back on one point there because like if europeans saw poi spinning as a form of juggling there would be more than two poi spinners that had made the top 10 jugglers list in the past decade. I think I just lost your audio, by the way. Can you hear me? Now I've got audio. Hooray. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry, y'all. All right. I didn't uh, mean lost that. Audio. <laughs> okay, no, we'll, we'll actually we we'll watch this on the replay and just be like, oh, shit. <laughs> we we lost audio for a sec, y'all, but um, he, he made a funny comment. He said that my drop was so serious, we lost audio for real, okay? So <laughs> um, going back into the topic, um, yeah, yeah. so so I'd like to hear you expand a little bit about that. So I know that you have more to say about juggling and, um, of course, flow arts and kind of like the ways that we intertwine and, and the differences among the communities. So like, if you would, just please expand a little bit on that. Sure. Um, that's kind of broad. Um, I know it's so, so broad. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that juggling is a sister art for sure. There's a lot of different movement arts out there that incorporate prop spinning. And I, I think, you know, they all are very beautiful in their own ways. Good Lord. Have you checked out some of the stuff that's coming out of like 
the yo-yo scene right now. Like there's it's crazy. so many toy tricks that are getting integrated into yo-yos right now. It's ridiculous. Um, it looks really cool. Uh, there, there are people doing yo-yo gunslingers. It's wild. Um, and, and really yeah. quick, sorry to interrupt you, but so just for y'all at home that might think that might think Drex is a little bit of a, of a juggling hater. Okay. I know that you're not, I know that you're not, I know that you're not. Okay. But you actually sent me a, a, a video I did. about <laughs> juggling that you yes. wanted to watch. So we'll just go ahead and play that and you can continue to talk about, um, you know, the, the kind of subset of, of flow arts and kind of like, yeah. I do think it's a different thing. I do think it's a different thing. And I think there's room for discussion and debate based on, is he juggling? Is he doing flow arts? Like what are those yeah. so different? And they can or like overlap. They can overlap. You can be doing both. You can, you can be both. Like, you know, there's so many cases where people will over overlap martial arts and flow arts. There'll be cases like it, it, it's not impossible to live in, places where you're in a Venn diagram between these two things. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's important to recognize that, you know, there are some people that are drawn to one. There are some people that are drawn to the other and they can, they, they can coexist in harmony. That's fine. And um, you could be doing both, right? Yeah. I think, absolutely. I think as far as myself goes, like I feel like I am engaging in both juggling and flow arts on occasion sure. when I'm yeah. in a flow state with juggling. And I, I feel like I'm again, engaging in both. And I'm kind of, there are, it is a very Venn diagram type thing where it's like, okay, where's the line here? So I don't, I don't blame you with, with, um, having a different kind of side and a different argument as far as like what flow arts is and kind of like standing up for flow arts in a lot of ways and like what you're saying culturally. Cause again, oh, I think it so boils good. down. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm sorry, who is, do you know who the juggler is right here? This is Patrick Elnert. Um, oh, so yeah, this Elnert uh, with a T um, okay. I adore this performance and I'm going to plant a little question in, in our discussion here that uh, I, I, for, for when we get to the end of this video here. Please, and yeah. that, question, that question is, what is the largest prop that he manipulates in the course of this video? Are you talking physically? Yes. Okay, physically, physically, okay. Yep. Interesting. Um, yeah, um, and, and so. Go ahead. Well, so, okay. We, 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 we've, we've already talked a little bit here about the kind of microaggressions that poi spinners get from, from jugglers. <laughs> and I wish that we could say that that's past tense and it's, it's not like, it's still an easy joke for jugglers to make is like, oh, so-and-so tricked me into liking poi where it's like, you know, if we're the punchline, that, that kind of sucks. I think part of the reason that flow arts exists as a label is it's a safe place for us to be able to explore this and feel pride about it. It is a place where we get to look at what we do and not have to feel ashamed of it, not have to feel like we're lesser than. And that's part of what I love about flow arts because I actually did not like the term at all when it first emerged because I don't flow when I spend poi usually. And I, I thought it was ridiculous to include the word flow in the title for what we do. And over time, what I realized is like, 
language is such a funny thing because sometimes what it defines is not necessarily what you think it does. And sometimes mm -hmm. you just come up with a word that is a handy thing, like punk rock <laughs> music. Punk is, I, I, if memory serves, punk is an Algonquin word and it has nothing to do with what punk rock music is about, but it was just a handy word to have to describe a culture that emerged I like in that. the late 70s. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And just while we're on that topic, um, I I do have to point out that Bo was very, in later reports, of, uh, later parts of the interview, was very much so in favor of, I would never tell anybody that what they are doing That's is cool. lame or lesser than because what they're doing, like if it, some guy over here doing Dragon Staff, like I want you to do that. And it's all kind of a part of the same object manipulation sphere of what we're doing and playing with an object, having a prop, having a relationship with what we're doing. Incredible video. Sorry, I can't even not talk about it, but um, I know, right? <laughs> but I think Bo is one of those jugglers that we really need in the flow arts world, right? Because he's so he's so encompassing and inclusive based on, you know, people doing toy cool. spinning and juggling and he's very very much so is just kind of pointing out the differences behind his approach and the rest of the like traditional poise spinning world and i think that there is a difference and you as well have have said that that you know he's in in fact not a flow artist because he's approaching it in a very juggling mindset way so i think there's there's room for both right well, and, and specifically, I think that he's a juggler because that's what he wants to be called. Like that, that's the most important question to me is where does your, oh, that was such a sick leap. I, um, I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is what resonates with you? What is the term that you feel like identifies you? And, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 again, like I, yeah, if juggling makes you happy, then do juggling. Absolutely. Flow arts makes me happy, and and I I love that I get to do it on a regular basis. But there's something to me that yes, yes, this is my favorite part. I love this. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yes, it's like a Rube Goldberg machine. I love it, dude. What? And wait, wait, wait. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. That was so fucking cool. Holy, holy. That was I again have not watched this video because i wanted to have a legitimate reaction to this that was very special incredible oh, yeah. and the the multi-prop talent i mean rings clubs wow this is very 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 incredible i wonder where where yeah. this was performed do you know off the top of your head i uh, i can't remember i'm afraid i i uh I think it's in the title of the video, but I can't remember off the top. Of my we'll head. go ahead and link this video, of course, in the description. Um, but yeah. you know, there yeah. are these cultural differences between the traditional circus jugglers, whether it be rings or clubs or balls. I mm -hmm. think breast is that we have so much more commonalities than we do differences and i want there to be more inclusion and more collaboration between jugglers and floridists whether you want to call this person a juggler or this person a floridist like we need to learn from each other and take what we can from each other and apply them in ways that make us happy and i feel like that's just what we should be aiming towards right uh, yes and 
Um, so yes to collaborations, yes to exchanging ideas. I think that also has to come from a place of respect though. Like I would agree. So here, here's the thing, like there's a conversation about, you know, how, uh, how we get more poi spinners in the juggling world, how, how we get jugglers to recognize what we do as poi spinners. And <laughs> that was really cute. I love that. I love that little somersault there. Um, I think that's the end of the performance. Yeah, it is. That was um, beautiful. Yeah. So uh, real quickly before I, I return to our the question that started this, like, so I hear a lot less talk about how how do we create an inclusive environment to bring glow stringers into the poi world because there's plenty of poi spinners that don't think of glow stringing <laughs> as poi or even, even they are matter. the subset of a subset they're poor glow stringers dude. Right, they're just right. fucking the outcasts of the outcasts bro like or, or uh, even <laughs> like traditional maori poi which arguably there's no type of prop spinning out there that has more in common with us than than maori poi does it's where we yeah. get the name from Right. Um, and this, the, <laughs> this will be the soundbite that gets, that gets thrown around here, but <laughs> ultimately I, so the problem that I ultimately see is that there's kind of this artificial system that's been created where juggling is considered the top of the heap. And in a lot of respects, I think poi spinners want to be seen as real and legitimate by jugglers because jugglers have created this kind of system in which they're sitting at the top. And I think it's way more powerful for us to look at how jugglers make us feel in terms of like mocking poi as a prop and think about when do we do that? You know, when do we look at glow stringers and just be like, no, those are just kids messing around with, with lights on strings. And I think that there's something really powerful in starting with being our own example of that and thinking less about how do we impress the people who've appointed themselves to be at the top and more, how can we be inclusive of the people that are looking for this respect from us? I think that's a really, really good uh, soundbite. And I think that's a good quote um, because I do, I do agree with you in a lot of ways. Um, there's, mm -hmm. there's so much that we can learn from each other, but in, at the end of the day, there is a difference behind what we're doing. Right. So juggler, yeah. like I, I see Bo's perspective, I see your perspective, and I kind of am somewhere in the middle where, like, I am a poi spinner, man. Like, I am yeah. somebody who focused on flowers, focused on 3D, focused on two poi, and still focus on two poi. And I don't think three poi is all that there, that there should be behind flow arts and poi spinning, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. And there's so much that you have to be very dedicated on uh, as far as execution, drilling, all these things that are very difficult about sure. flower patterns, contact patterns, 3D manipulation, all these things that require a very significant technical and, and uh, very like holistic approach behind what we're doing. Like we're not just we're not just flowing with two poi, right? There's specific movements that we are uh, trying to accomplish in the same way that jugglers are trying to accomplish specific things. So I don't think categorizing flow arts just as a, a flow state is, I don't think that's a fair definition because 
Now, flow arts, like you were saying, based on language, is very a broad term that is focused around, you know, movement and whatever, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't give a fair definition of flow arts off the top <laughs> of my head, but yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying and I have a more respectful uh, viewpoint based on the point that you were trying to make. And I do agree with you in some sense. The only caveat is that I do not think Bo is the point of contention that should be um, talked about because he's very no. understanding of of like like he even commented on like Tim Goddard's approach of poi spinning and saying that he very much appreciated the way that he that Tim is just spinning only no contact no tosses just pattern yeah. based only so he is he's one of those hybrid. And people that that sees juggling for what it is and then also sees like, you know, his own version of poise spinning and the tech behind that. So mm -hmm. um, I will agree with your sentiment behind the juggling culture that has been kind of at the forefront of like poise spinners and like with the way that we feel about about uh, jugglers and the kind of the, the contentious relationship, because not not to get too far off topic, but. Um, in the early days of my poise spending career, uh, Wyatt, Wyatt, I'm going to bring you up, dude. I saw Wyatt Davis bringing, or he was wearing a, a shirt that said pointless, but like poi was capitalized. Oh I'm like, my God. how dare you? How dare you? Right. Cause it was like, that just kind of like embodies like, don't fucking give up on your origins, Wyatt, you know? So it was like. There has like people want to deny there being contentious relationships between like poi spinners and jugglers, but like, dude, there is, there is, there absolutely is. Like, you can't just say like there is, there, yeah. there absolutely is. Yeah, and I mean, so in a certain respect, yes, I absolutely agree that you know Bo's position is not among the more offensive positions that I have encountered in the juggler world, and certainly there is definitely a decade and a half worth of taking microaggressions that kind of came out in that <laughs> reply, but also at the I same time- I understand that, I understand that. Yeah, and at the same time, like I think also too, it's one of those things like, so to the best of my knowledge, Bo and I are on friendly terms. Like we, we, we've, we've, we've talked online several times. Um, he had kind I, thing things to say about you as well, but just briefly. And yeah, you know. I, that's just it. I like him as a person. I think he, I, I, I think he's really talented. We've worked together on a couple projects. I, I enjoyed working with him. You know, it, it's one of those things that like, I, I think part of that was coming from a place where it's like, this is a guy that I like and trust. And sometimes it hurts more when the people who are closest to you say the things that hurt, you know, and, and it becomes that thing where it's just like, you know, I'm not saying I, I, when, when I push back on that stuff, it's not me being all like, you know, Oh, Bo, you, you're, you're a terrible person. It's like, no, I understand. I like you. I like you and I want to continue inhabiting spaces with you, but we need to have this conversation because those spaces aren't going to be safe unless you recognize why this is harmful. And there is a respect factor that boils down to what we're doing as far as two poi, right? Not even yeah. just three, like two poi. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can guarantee you that nobody would be able to do the things with two poi that I'm doing unless they tried it. And 
that's just what it is. You, there's, there takes a significant amount of time and dedication in the same way that you have to dedicate time and yourself to juggling. You have to dedicate that same thing towards two ploy because it's a separate thing. It's not, it's completely different. It is different. Right. Um, and I think there's, again, the argument of it falling under the same sphere of object manipulation as a whole. And I kind of more agree with that term, but yeah, I would agree with you. And I, I think there's points to be made on both ends for sure. So I, I understand what you're saying to a greater length based on talking to you and um, hearing you, you expand a little bit more on, on that issue. Cool. And also just to make sure that it is explicit, like Bo, if you're watching out there, dude, like I'm, I'm not mad at you. Like, uh, yeah. We I love I, you, Bo. Yeah, dude, like you, you produce really <laughs> great work and I'm glad you're of in the course. community. Yeah, I, I and he, I, he, I also he, am, I am also one of those people that like when my friends fuck up, I tell them, "Dude, you done fucked up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think there that's a healthy approach towards um, addressing differences that we have as artists and differences that we have as um, as people. So, um, mm -hmm. very much appreciate you touching on that on that issue. Sure. Um, and we want quickly, to go ahead. So I asked you a question at the beginning of that. Oh, shit. <laughs> so can you tell me what was the largest object that uh, he manipulated in that performance? I'm like thinking about like volume and also like, like maybe rings. Is I don't know. Like volume. I don't know. Uh, we'll say clubs. I don't know. Okay. Clubs. The largest prop that he manipulates in the course of that performance is the stage. <laughs> what I love the most about that performance is it is so dependent on the space that it happens in. Like that bit at the end where he's rolling the clubs and he's setting himself up to catch that ring on his forehead, that only works because mm. he knows the space in so much detail that he is able to put those pieces together into that Rube Goldberg machine. What I That's love such so a good much argument. about this, <laughs> Is like no, so there, there, there's this idea and that I've encountered in several art circles now that like you know when when you see masters of their craft come at something, um, they can do it in one of two ways. It's either you know they have a central message that they want to get across to their audience, uh, like you know if you go and listen to Green Day's American Idiot album, it's an it's 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 a bunch of punk rock music about like how suburban alienation has led us into the Iraq war. Um, and there's also types of art that exist specifically to show what art is capable of. And that's what I see in Patrick Elmert's performance there. He shows people exactly how far you can take the idea of object manipulation to the point where he makes the environment that he's in the object that he's manipulating. He he that takes that idea good, so far and I love it. That is such a good reference. And I very much appreciate that you had, I didn't even know what to say. So that's very, very good. I know I, that's I kind of like, that's kind of an unfair question. To, to no, 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 it's there. fair. It's fair. No, yeah. the, the stage in the space that he is manipulating. I mean, he very much so it's mm -hmm. applicable to the argument that you would be uh, making. Um, yeah. I very much agree with that. Um, yeah. So to, I want to get into a topic um, Joey actually has a segment where he is able to ask the question that fans write in. 
and they are asking questions. So we're going to turn it over to Joey and let him ask the question that was asked based on a fan response uh, on my Instagram story. So we'll go ahead and let Joey ask that question whenever he's ready. All so right, on. let's let Rip. Hey, how, how you doing? Hey, good, good. So I got a question from Trayvon. Excuse me if I butcher your at, uh, at Trayvon Stowers, I think. Um, he asked, how does one film a good poi video? Are the moves rehearsed or freestyled and what angles look good? Goodness. Um, how much time we got here? Um, so honestly, what, what makes a good video? <laughs> You, you take your time and create, I, I am in no rush, sir. So you, you go ahead. Yeah. We're, we're okay. So, okay. So I think I'm going to answer the question directly. And then I, I I'm going to answer what I think is actually the question behind it. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, in terms of filming a video, you want to make sure, like, here's the biggest thing. Start with yourself as the audience. What are the angles that you find most beneficial? Build your video around that because more than likely there's more people out there than just you that also respond to those angles and also respond to that style of producing videos. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, like the equipment you use is really not that important. Like when it comes right down to it, good content is good content. Like, and um, to, to loop back around to a, a previous uh, topic of conversation here, go back and look at my earlier videos. They're terrible. <laughs> but they're terrible because I was making bad content, not because the equipment was bad, which it was, but because I didn't know how to be on camera yet. And it took a long time for me to learn how to be good on camera. It took me a long time to learn how to structure a lesson. You can watch that evolution taking place over the course of the history of, of my channel. And so- I will be a, a testament to that. You can, folks. You can see his <laughs> earlier content. I like me personally, not just him. Like I will agree with him 100%. Not to say your old content was shit, but like your new content, mm -hmm. you just stepped up a level, man. You have. you. So I got to give it up. Well, and the thing is, though, is I learned how to make good content with bad technology. I learned how to make good content with bad equipment. Like if you can make something shine through, even when you're using a, you know, point and shoot camera that just happens to have a video setting that only lasts for 10 minutes and you're in a dark room where the lighting is terrible. If you <laughs> can make if you can make a lesson or like whatever you're playing with with poi pop out through all those restrictions then by the time you get to better equipment your content will absolutely slay work out the kinks with bad equipment figure out what works and what doesn't and then make the investment to make the con to do the polish level on it when you get to a point where you understand the craft underneath it that's when you're in a good position to, to upgrade. Right. Um, right. And the, the question underneath that, which is what makes good content, um, is so it took me a long, long time to understand this, but fundamentally all content is based around, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to put on my entrepreneur hat for a second here. So I'm going to, I'm going to use some words that we don't like, but <laughs> you um, go ahead, bro. <laughs> no, 
it's about providing value for your audience. It is about showing up and giving them something that is going to make them feel good about the fact that they just spent five or 10 minutes with you on their phone, you know? And what exactly that looks like is going to be highly subjective depending upon where your interests lie and also too what people are interested in seeing from you out there. So it always helps to start with what you enjoy because if nothing else, you'll have an audience of one. Um, but take the feedback as it comes in. Listen to people when they tell you, you know, hey, can you get to the beginning of the lesson sooner? Do you really need to spend this much time like giving me background or talking about your aunt that taught that, you know, taught you this many years ago? Um, or, you know, and this is really hard for me to this day, but go back and watch your content. I. I have the hardest time watching my own videos. Because, no, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I do too. Whenever I watch one of my videos, all I can think about is like, you know, the choices that I had to make in the editing room and wondering if I made the right ones. And I'm always afraid when I sit down and watch one of my videos that what I'll really see was the better version of it that I could have made if I just spent more time on it. And you know, it, it can be hard to navigate that, but it really is worth it because every once in a while I'll sit down and watch something that I made and be like, oh, that was actually really cool. That is something that I would want to watch. That's something that like I'm glad is out there in the world. You've um, made so much good content, man. I, I really I got to <laughs> give it up because like as as the the disagreements that we've had over the years or whatever it, it may be, you, I, I, I have to see you in a certain light of like you are in a lot of ways an innovator and you are in a lot of ways a person that has created so much good content over the years and somebody that has added a lot of discussion that needed to be added by somebody and you were the person to do it man so um Thank you. When, it, when it goes like down to profiles and poi or your tech vlogs or the you know uh videos that you made uh, you know having the camera accompany you to flow arts festivals or whatever it was that you were doing you had a very uh, innovative approach to the things that you were doing. And, um, as far as like, like content creation, you have made so many videos that I just wish were out there that you are the only person to touch on. Right. So as far as like flow artists pay and flow arts festivals as a whole, and what there needs to happen in the future, as far as paying for artists, what they deserve and what, we need to do to sustain as a community. There's been so many things that you've touched on that are just very, very relevant. So I, I have to, you know, aside from your poise spinning, aside from the videos that you've made from actually spinning poi and showing us tech poi, right? Aside from all that stuff, you have contributed so much to the discussion of the, the whole community, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I do very much value your opinion as far as like what has worked for you over the years, the the projects that you have abandoned and the projects that you've decided were worth it to continue. So you definitely have so much to add to the conversation as a whole. Um, and I, I very Thank much you. appreciate that. I appreciate hearing that. Thank you very much. So and on that, on that very line, I, I do want to transition into one, one more topic. You okay. have, Throughout your years of creating videos and throughout your years of being a content creator and delivering your personal opinions on things, you faced a fair amount of backlash and controversy 
and there has been a, as you have gained popularity, there has been a fair share of, uh, like I said, backlash, and uh, you have been a target, essentially, um, by many people. Um, and this has been for several reasons, but I'd like you to touch a little bit on how you navigate the ugly side of the on online world and kind of like the lessons that you've learned, how you approach that, like speak a little bit about that. Goodness. Um, so there are some days when it's really rough. I'm not going to lie. Um, and there was definitely a point where I read like this would have happened two months ago where I suddenly realized that like the hater comments, it was not just like one coming in a day, but it was coming in like almost one Christ. an hour. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, no, there, there was definitely a point where I like reached out to my bestie and, I, and I'm just like, and I, I started sending him screen captures. I'm just kind of like, you know, so this, this, this is now like a regular thing. This is a regular part of my day. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people that leave those comments don't understand that, like, it's not just them doing it, that it is an enormous volume of people. And to a certain extent, I recognize that when I wade into territory that is likely to be controversial, is likely to, you know, rattle some cages, that I'm going to get some blowback on it. And sometimes I'm in a place where I feel prepared to do that. And sometimes the blowback that comes is coming from an angle that I don't expect. And um, it still yeah. kind of knocks me off balance. Sure. Part of, and and yet I'm still doing it. Clearly, um, I'm still out here. Yeah, I. So, number one, having a great support network is really really helpful. Like, I have people that I can go to on a rough day. Um, I've been in therapy for the past five years. Having having my therapist to go to with this stuff is is really amazing. Um, I feel much less alone dealing with it because sure. You know, even most of my friends here in D.C., a lot of them are, are even amongst flow people. I don't think they grok that. Uh, I know. I, I, they don't I'm fully understand. They, they, they don't fully understand the spectrum of what's happening. Right. So like even your your well, local friends, like it's hard for people to put yourself put themselves in your shoes, man. I mean, you're dealing with a very unique set of circumstances where you're kind right. of the pioneer and the forefront of a lot of the content creation based around poise. So nobody's been in your yeah. shoes before, man. So I think it's fair to have a certain level of like, what the fuck is happening? Who do I reach yeah. out to? What do I do? Why is this happening? Like I, 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 I can relate to that and I can understand that to a certain degree. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think people understand that it happens. I don't think they understand the volume that it happens. And, but mm. um, you know, it, there's been a lot of things that I've, I've like let myself get upset and responded in moments that I shouldn't. And I was really heated and I look back on it and just be like, you know, I shouldn't have fed the trolls. And I, about a year ago, I started getting into the habit of like, when I got a comment that like made me see red, I would tell myself, it's like, okay, you have to take an hour away from any device go for a walk, go for a hike, go float for an hour. If you still want to respond to this in an hour, then you can respond to it then. But like, as of right now, don't, 
don't do it. You know, wait, wait until you've calmed down. Um, it's such an important lesson for anybody who is online. Um, yeah, I can not, not to try to compare myself to you in any way and your, your kind of like relevance and, uh, you know, take over the community and, and stuff. But I've even experienced just for myself, I've even experienced uh, a fair share of, you know, people saying this and that about me and comments that got me to be quite frankly, very fucking angry. So oh, yeah. I think that that is a very healthy approach to say, Hey, need to clear my mind, need to take a walk, see how do I want to respond to this person? And to give yourself a little bit of credit, you're one of the only people that I've seen that has a large following that will actually engage with people on a long forum discussion uh, and actually address what they're saying into a deep level. Like you've always been somebody who will address somebody's point into a very long extent conversation where it's like if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it man like i have mm -hmm. a lot of things to say about it and if i feel like a lot of people are not prepared to have a long forum discussion with you and actually dissect why they feel a certain way um mm -hmm. so i will give you a lot of credit on that front and also like y'all have to realize that like this man is a person as well and he has his own struggles and his own viewpoints and his own trigger moments where he's upset about something that you said that correlates to you know his life or his experience so i think there's a lot that people kind of they there's a lot of like dehumanizing going on to where it's like they can't really fully see you as being a, a person out here that is just trying to do his best and add to the conversation in the ways that he sees are appropriate you know sure well and and i recognize that some of what is happening there is parasocial relationships are really difficult for people to navigate in general. This was a thing that I, I I've run across very frequently um, at fire festivals in that, you know, very clearly I, the plan around my content was to make it people feel like they were hanging out with your friend. Exactly. And going all the way back. The flip, going all the way back. The, the flip side of that though, is there's a lot of people out there that think of me as being their friend that I've never met. And they'll have really specific expectations about what interacting with me will be like, but I haven't necessarily participated in the creation of any of those expectations. So it can get into really sketchy territory. Um, and especially like, so I, I will actually send you the link to this after, after we get done here, but Please um, do. no, I, I, so, um, I also want to put out there, I really respect what you're doing here with this. I'm glad that you're producing media around flow arts and juggling. And I think that our community is better for having more of that going on. So awesome. And even more so like mad respect for working on solving a problem I didn't want to work on. Um, <laughs> but, and as your channel grows, as your presence grows, you're also going to have to deal with more and more of this. And I know. <laughs> one of, one of the most helpful tools I've found was uh, a few months ago, I ran across this channel, uh, a woman who is uh, in grad school uh, working on her clinical psychology degree, and she does different videos on different topics in psychology. And she specifically had a video on dealing with haters online by doing what's referred to as shadow work. That is when something happens that makes us deeply upset, there's usually a reason for it. And 
that one of the things that we can engage in when we encounter online comments that make us really upset is that we can do a little bit of self-interrogation and figure out where is this emotion coming from? What button did they push? Why does this specific button set me off? And we wind up learning a lot about ourselves in the process. In some True. cases, we discover that the reason that this pushes our buttons is because this is a thing that we know that we ourselves do and we're kind of ashamed of it. And in some cases, something pushes our buttons because it reminds us of something that somebody used to do it to us back in the distant past that really hurt us. And mm -hmm. I, I got a lot out of this video and I, I continue to use those, uh, those techniques to this day to work through the stuff that's coming in. And it's really been a huge help to me. So I, I hope it can be a huge help to you too. Right. Yeah. And I, I definitely very much resonated with you saying that there are certain trigger things that people will say, because yeah, even in the, my time and my, you know, meteoric rise in the Hoi community or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, man, people have said some shit to me that I'm like, fucking, you don't know me at all, brother. Like, if you think that's what I, if you, you have no idea, you have seen a video of me. You don't yeah. know who the fuck I am, bro. Like, I was doing this shit back when I was a kid, and people used to fucking pick on me for what I did. They'd think that what I was doing was weird, man. Like, it was what I was doing, poi spinning back in the day, was not cool, man. It was, what's that guy doing around playing with his balls? Like, I did it because I loved it. If you think that I'm doing this shit for clout, you have no, the, you have no fucking idea who I am, man. You have no idea because I was doing this shit again when it wasn't cool, when I hid it from my friends, I hid it from my, from people who knew me. I didn't even want them to see, like there was a layer of protection based around like what I was doing. And people want to claim that like what I'm doing, the content that I'm releasing now or the videos that I'm releasing now are for like clout. It's like, motherfucker, I've been doing this since way before I even thought that anybody would see my videos, anybody that would think I, I was cool or what I would be invited to like, that was before any of that. Right. So intention is so crucial. And like people can't see the intention behind the video because they don't know you as a person. So it's like your intention behind making a video is so different than what people actually think is, is really happening. Right. So oh, I know like, if I wanted to post videos for clout, I know exactly what that would look like. I would just take whatever was the latest deep house track that everybody was loving. <laughs> I'd wear a set of, I'd I'd wear a, a, a set of harem pants and like a <laughs> sleeveless shirt that I hadn't washed in two weeks, and I would just stand <laughs> with my feet planted. Like it, it's not hard. Like that. That's just it. Like, I know exactly what the channel that could destroy my channel would look like. And it's it like, I do what I do because like, I love what I do and I want to support other people out there. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of wild because the things that people accuse you of wind up saying a lot about like, what they're really working through and the things that they don't know how to acknowledge about wow. themselves. Um, and and sorry, there, there's a point I had in my head that keeps coming and then going and coming. You know how that happens where it's just like, oh, that's such an important thought. And then it like runs away as you're in the middle of talking about another one. Um, God bless it. Um, da, 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 da. It was uh, haters leaving comments, uh, talking about clout. Um, 
Rick, where did it go? Where did it go? Um, shoot. Um, bloody hell, I think it's gone now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, it, it's been a very long day, and my 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 uh, some some of my faculties are no longer working at, at full. Do power we still here. have audio? Yeah, yeah, still do. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right. Yeah. Um, God, hang on. Give me just one second. The, you take your time, yeah, yeah. Drex. You take your time. I, I, anybody that is curious about hearing the conversation and hearing us genuinely interact with each other as human beings, they are still here and they're still in here. So, I like, yeah, you're good. Take your time. I, I want you to be able to con clearly and convey, uh, you know, convey your thoughts yeah. in a manner that that feels authentic. So I feel like this is much more of a conversation and podcasting in general is so much more of oh, a that's it. That's it. That's thing, it. I got it. Right? I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, so that's ahead. just yeah. it. No, producing content is in and of itself a really vulnerable act because you are inevitably sharing parts of yourself with the whole wide world. And it is revealing in ways that people often don't realize. And the thing is, is that when you're out there sharing a lot of content and being vulnerable like that, the negative side of that is you're also giving people a how-to guide on how to hurt you. Oh. You're showing them exactly the ways oh. in which you're vulnerable. And <laughs> it sucks because like, it doesn't mean you should stop being vulnerable because it is a benefit. Dude, we're all out here doing our own thing. Like, yeah, it's it's you, you have to provide your your experiences and your take on things, and these things are important. So yeah, there's yeah. gonna be things to disagree upon, and we can't just shoot each other down at the first moment that we have to to pick someone apart. And I think that podcasting is such an important thing because if you actually got to know this man, Drex, not saying that I do, right? But the conversation helps people try to relate with you and try to see the human side of you and not just a right. content creator, but as an artist and somebody who is doing something that nobody's done before, as far as I am a poi content creator, like what the fuck? There's nobody that's even done that before. So you're navigating uncharted territories and we have to give this man a little bit of grace. That's, that's my whole thing. <laughs> I appreciate that. Cause yeah, it one, Again, one of those weird things about parasocial relationships, just like traditional celebrity, at a certain point, somebody gets flattened down into an object and they become the thing that you need them to be rather than the thing that they are. And there's a three-dimensional person sitting on the other end of it, you know? Somebody with their own thoughts and feelings on issues that they're covering. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I, and I have so many... Are like toroids. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many issues, even just kind of going on a little bit of a personal um, thing is I have so many issues, even just replaying content and episodes that I've had with people where I'm like, mm -hmm. damn, you've said this so many times you've, you've approached this in a way that you could have had so much of a more clear, concise uh, thought process on things. And the reality is, is we're not always going to be the most present and like uh, foresight things of like issues you're gonna have things that you wish you would have said and things that you wish you wouldn't have said yep. on a certain topic and that's based on our emotional reactions and our current mind state and there's a lot there's a lot of things that when it's out there as permanent content it's like fuck i didn't really mean to say that that, that now that's just yep. permanent and people can quote me and people can 
take their own, you know, <laughs> opinions on what I said. Like, it's stressful. So, so I've got a story for you on that one. Um, so some of my content is scripted and some of it's not. Um, and the stuff that's not, I have regular vocal tics. Um, I say, yeah, a lot. Uh, and at one point I had a vocal tick where when I was talking and I was trying to get to the end of a thought, I would keep saying and everything because it was, <laughs> no, it was kind of my, my brain trying to throw on the brakes and be like, okay, you need to get to the end of this thought before you blow this part of the take, you know? Um, and it was so weird because out of nowhere, like it started off with just one person saying it. And then within weeks, literally every comment I got, every single one on YouTube was people telling me, you have to stop saying and everything. Y'all don't do and that to me. Don't do that to me. Cause I have these things too. And we all do. If you're, if you were on the other end of this camera, you would be saying the little things that you say. I, I would say, uh, I still do say this a lot, but I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, whatever. I'm responding to things that people are saying. So these little things that I say that I hate about podcasting that I are just a part of my vocabulary and a part of my responses to where I'm trying yep. to e either think about what I'm going to say or I'm trying to process my thoughts. Like, we all have these things, so don't hold it against us. I very much relate to you in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, so here's the thing is, is at a certain point, it got to such a volume that I decided to train myself out of it. I went for three solid months, nothing but scripted content. So I could work on training myself out of having that vocal tick. And I did it. I no longer say that. But you know what happened? People started digging up the older videos and leaving the same <laughs> damn comments on the older videos, even though I had just spent three months completely changing my vocal habits so I wouldn't have this vocal no. tick anymore. So no. whatever shit people are giving you, they're doing it because they're giving you shit, not because the thing is actually a problem. It gives them a moment where they get to feel like, oh, I get to take this person down a peg. So... I get don't to, take it I get to pick on him and yeah you know what's funny it's like nobody's actually even commented these things on me personally yet but i mentally comment on myself and i'm like damn you've said this so many times or you know my little verbal habits on you know when i'm having a discussion with people so the thing is is nobody's perfect we're trying to give you guys the content and the discussions that i would like to deliver and would like to be a public format but we're not always going to do it perfect. And this is something that you have to give both of us grace on. Um, and at the end of the day, realize that if you were doing this thing, there would be things that we could pick on you for, and you wouldn't feel too good about it either. Um, there's no, and that's why a lot of remedy. them are not doing it. <laughs> it's sorry, hard motherfuckers. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, but it, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, you know, and, I will say this just to close things out. You have been the only guest that I feel like I have had so much more to get through to where I had, I had topics for days. I'm scrolling right here on my iPad. Yeah. I had topics for days that I wanted to get through with you because you're such a prevalent figure in the poi community and you are very, uh, very much a part of our story as a, as a collective. Right. Um, yeah. And 
this conversation in this podcast has been that I've wanted to get into so many different things, but you, you have so much to say. And I feel like we, we just need to give a little bit of respect towards this man, as far as the amount of things that he has covered, um, the amount of topics that he has the space, the mental capacity to cover. Um, and I, I would be very, uh, you know, open to doing another episode because, again, we have not covered very many, very much of this stuff that we had to get through. And I feel like we had to very deeply cover the topics that we wanted to. So I really appreciate your time and your expansiveness on the topics that I have brought up and your personal story, as well as your thoughts on you know, floor arts festivals and artists and poi and everything, everything in between, everything that we've covered. Um, I really do appreciate your involvement in the, in the project. And uh, yeah, just y'all, y'all show direct some love in, in, in the comments below. Okay. You know, let him know if you're having a disagreement on something that he has said in a respectful way, because I have been a victim of getting a little bit too heated based on something that you've said specifically on the tech boy thing. So um, I have fallen victim to this as well. And I've, I, I apologize if I have given you, uh, you know, feedback in a manner that was disrespectful or too heat heated or whatever. We all just need to check ourselves a little bit as far as like our emotional response to the topics that we're discussing and sure. the intention behind what he's saying, right? Yeah. And also, too, I think it's important for me to recognize the moments when like what I say isn't received with the intention that was behind it. Like, you know, I, I remember the fur when I put out that video about the death of Tech Poi. And in my mind, <laughs> what it was. No, in, in my mind, what I was really saying was just like, you know, this has changed since it was my scene. And what a lot of people yeah. heard was, you know, what we're doing right now isn't good enough. And that was never my intention. And for that, I am sorry that that that, that landed the way it did. And I, 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 I was one of those people. Yeah. I was one of those people. And um, I think that we it's important for us to find commonalities and find like, you know, points of discussion where we're not blaming each other as individuals. We're actually talking about the, the topic at hand. So yeah. I think it's important for you to be able to realize like, hey, this wasn't maybe like the intention of the delivery. Um, and dude, that's just going to happen when you when you are a content creator and you're somebody who's sure. discussing these things on a weekly and monthly basis you're going to have things that maybe came across in the wrong way. So um, I appreciate you touching on that issue. Um, yeah. And I would love to, to, to do another, you know, episodes, maybe more uh, yeah. <laughs> focused around some specific topics. Yeah. I, 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 I now I'm kind of curious, like of, <laughs> of the, uh, of, of the topics that we didn't get to cover, like what, what is the one that you most wish we had hit up? Oh man. Mm -hmm. So I think as far as topics that I wish we had discovered, let me go ahead and just look over here really quick and we can close it out with this one. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I do have I do have it in mind. So as far as artist pay in the flow arts community and as far as mm -hmm. the performers, instructors that are supporting these larger organizations that are the flow arts festivals, mm -hmm. how do you think it's impacted the community negatively that we have, or I wouldn't say we, I say flow arts festivals that have seeked a lesser, I don't want to say lesser quality, but 
let me let me word this in a way that I I actually mean. Um, flower arts communities or flower arts festivals that are trying to be more profitable, which I don't blame them for. First of all, <laughs> I don't blame you for because you're trying to make it work. You are doing a service that we all appreciate, but there is a double-edged sword where you're trying to make it more profitable and you're also seeking talent that doesn't require a certain threshold of payment, right? Because they seek to be exposed to the community in a healthy manner as far as performing, mm -hmm. teaching, everything like that. And you've discussed the kind of, um, I don't want to like directly quote you uh, wrongly here, but as far as like a validation economy, right? And you've- yep covered this a little bit on your other videos and that I have been a part of. Um, but inevitably when you're paying artists less than what they're worth, the talent that is international and that know their worth, they're not going to show up, man. And mm -hmm. I will say as much as I love uh, beginners and I love people that are in their intermediate phases. And I just love people being involved in the flow arts world it takes a lot to impress me. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to impress me. A lot of the magic has been faded and I, mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate part of my reality to where I want to encourage people, but at the same time, it's difficult to genuinely feel a certain way about someone spinning when I have been doing this shit for a long time, my mm -hmm. friend, I've been, I've, I'm in a lot of, in my own ways, creating things that I th find to be incredible and that I have been doing this for 15 plus years and it's hard to find, I don't mean to go on a tangent here, but it's, it, 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 it is difficult to be inspired truly at my core in the same way that I used to be. Right. So yeah. a topic that I find that you cover, that's very important and very applicable and is in my mind at the forefront of the flow arts kind of like the debacle that we're facing as far as artists pay performer pay like what do we do how much are people worth what should we prioritize i love that you have been covering topics such as this so i'd like to hear you speak a little bit about that please okay um Shoot, my the rabbit I was going to pull out of the hat was like, you know, come come to the next one that I'm here for for the answer to this. But I'll, I'll give you. Well, you can I'll, if you I'll, want to. You can no, keep no, it brief. It's okay. It's okay. I I I'll, I'll I'll give you the shortest version of this answer that I can. Clearly, the reason we didn't get through all these topics has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that I give really long answers to things. There is a and reason I, I don't have a problem keeping up with the content calendar. I never like. Do you have any idea how many scripts I have sitting on my computer that like are never going to see the light of day because <laughs> I got like three pages in and just decided, yeah, no, I don't have enough there. Um, anyway, um, so there's there's a few things I want to pick out of there. Um, I think so. One of and I think this is the most important piece is that. I think a big part of the reason why I'm so disappointed in the ways that flow festivals have evolved over the course of the past decade, and I, I, you may relate to this too, is that when I first started going to them, um, it was definitely a place where you went to for inspiration. And mm -hmm. the product has changed. The product is no longer necessarily showing you what's possible with the thing. The product is to make you feel seen. And 
I want to be really, really, really clear on this. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be seen. Like we live in a culture that is continuously tearing us down and making us feel invisible and like we're not good enough. Insignificant. And exactly. And like when people go to flow festivals and they get picked for the teaching lineup or the performance gala, or they see themselves in photographs of the event after the fact, they feel seen. And that's a good thing. Like that, that is. is important, but it's also something that should be explicit about what the product is. And as long as there is still on some level an expectation that the product is this kind of inspiration, then we're going to have a problem with people showing up to these events and seeing stuff that doesn't necessarily inspire them. And, and that they maybe can do themselves. That. They maybe right. can do themselves. Well, and I think there is, I, I will also say, and big old, big old underline on this, this is not to excuse the flow festivals, but I also think for a lot of us, we have some work to do too in terms of, recognizing that we are 10 years into this or mm -hmm. however many years we are into this. Right. I'm a decade and a half into it at this point. And like, we've seen a lot of stuff come and go, but a lot of other people are getting to experience these things for the first time. And that's also important. We got to have those moments and they should get to have those moments too. Yes. Um, and those moments are still valid for them. At the same time, I don't think we can, we can construct an entire industry around them. I don't think like it makes me sad that after accumulating a certain amount of experience in the flow arts world, you've automatically priced yourself out of being able to return to the events that first inspired you. That just sucks. It does. And I think that there should be room for both. I at like when we start doing this, when we start spinning props, we stick out like, and that, 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 that's part of what pulls us into it in the first place. We get to feel unique and special in a lot of ways. And it's very natural when people go into that to want to feel seen. And at the same time, I think it's also important that we as a community support people who have decided to make the commitment to engage in giving resources to the community as you know as as an occupation that happens out even outside of the flow festivals like i i, I used to help run a flow festival and there's this six month window that it happens in where it's an absurd amount of work and i think <laughs> so many people that run flow festivals forget that for so many of the teachers the work doesn't end when the festival is done this is a this is a year round thing for us and if we're going to come and be a part of these events, we also have to feel like we're being supported by the community around them. We can't just take an infinite amount of time off from what we're doing because it's a hard, it, like the hustle around this is really, really difficult. It is. If, if I can't afford to take a loss by, you know, going and performing for some charity here in DC, I can't do it for a flow festival either. Ooh. Ooh, that was an important one. That was an important one. Yeah. And you know, the, 
I don't want to touch too much on the topics that you've already covered in your content specifically. And if you guys want to hear him talk about these things in more detail um, and in a more scripted manner to where he actually has his content and his like words dissect dissected, go ahead and sometimes check out his scripted. videos. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes scripted, sometimes not, which I very much appreciate uh, in its own right. But <laughs> But yeah, this is an important issue that sticks out to me particularly because I, we've had things happen locally where I'm sure y'all have had these things happen too, where it's like we have artists who are just willing to put themselves up for free for, I just want to be seen. I just want to, per, to uh, perform. I want to be seen. And again, you've yeah. already said that it's not a bad thing necessarily. I don't blame the artist. I blame the person who is willing to let it happen. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that sometimes this is also a message to us that if we want to have spaces where we can make an income doing this, we also have to create spaces for people to feel seen because there is still a need for that. And I, I hope y'all take my my words with a, a grain of salt in the sense that, like, I love where you are at. You watching this specifically, I love where you are at. I love your journey. And I am not trying to put any artist down to where, like, oh, you're not at this level. You shouldn't be, like, on. I do not mean that at all. I respect the journey along the way we've already spoken about you know the times of feeling insignificant and the times of feeling like we're not good enough i don't mean to take away from that experience i'm specifically saying that i feel like if you're performing for a flow arts festival you should have something to add to the conversation to where it's like yep. i've never seen this before this is unique this is this person is pushing something in a way that we have not seen before and I think that is the more important issue, right? And it, 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 there's a lot of people that can do a lot of the same tricks and a lot of the same, like, it's not any hate towards them as an individual, but it's saying that if we're attending a festival and we're, we're going to this place to be inspired, like what you were talking about, we attend these festivals to create a new level of inspiration for ourselves personally. And I feel like it's a, a little bit of a responsibility for somebody organizing a festival to create a lineup where we know that the audience will be taken back. They will be inspired. They will feel something based on the patterns that we're doing and the way that we're incorporating our specific loves for what we're doing. So uh, really appreciate you touching on that issue. Um, this has been a great episode. We really so much appreciate you coming on and having the vulnerability to discuss these issues in a long format. Um, you know, not not everybody in your position would would be able to or would be willing <laughs> to, to discuss these things with uh, with somebody. Um, so we, I'm we very. I much am just. You. I'm just shocked I got through two and a half hours as as coherent as I did such a long day. <laughs> no, seriously, so I got on and I'm just like, this is gonna be the worst interview I ever do because my brain is jello right now. <laughs> no, well, hopefully I was able to spur you a little bit creatively. So um, definitely this did. Has been thank the you whole, for being a yeah. great host. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. This has been the whole goal of the podcast is to discuss things that are visually appealing and we we see these things happen on instagram youtube whatever all your platforms but nobody actually talks about it and the the work that's created behind the scenes and the approach that we have and so 
Um, we'll go ahead and close it out. Um, Drex, if you, Joey, if you want to show Drex's uh, in tags here, y'all already know who Drex is. Hopefully you need no introduction. If you know who I am, you probably know who this man is. So, um, yeah, we appreciate you, man. We'll, we'll go ahead and close it out. But I uh, want to give you a big thank you and a shout out to being here and um, doing this with us today. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Peace on. out, y'all. Eighth episode. Keep up the great work. <laughs> thank you, buddy.